1: Welcome to the New Growth Podcast with Nikki Walton. Join her as she explores divine love as a key to spiritual growth, empowered service, and inner and outer success. If you'd like to support Nikki's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Nikki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of New Growth. I am your host, Nikki Walton, and today joining me, I have Jonah V. Harrison. She's a British musician known for her mantra meditation music, also called Kirtan. She's also a regular on the BBC, and she has an album out right now with Willow Smith. It's amazing. And a new single on the way, I think on January 29th. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining.
2: Thank you, Nikki. So lovely to meet you finally after after many, uh, many, many months on social media. Yes.
1: All of my DMs thanking Mm -hmm. you for the mood shifting music, your music, her voice. First of all, guys, her voice is angelic. It's gorgeous. And I was trying to figure out the first time I heard of you. And there's two points Mm. in my memory because I don't have a good memory that I'm able (laughs) to pull on. So I did an interview with um, a gentleman named Satpal Singh, and he runs an account on Instagram called Nanak Nam, which is dedicated Mm -hmm. to the teachings of Guru Nanak. And I think it was even offline. We were talking about our love for Japa, like meditation, our love Mm -hmm. for music while meditating. And he said, you know, I know you know about Krishna Das, but have you ever heard of there's there's this woman and I think she's out of Britain. Let me, let me pull up these links. And so I didn't know your name yet. I just knew your voice and I knew the image of the album. That was it. And you know how when somebody sends you stuff, you kind of listen, but then you have to do other things so you kind of forget. Yeah, yeah. And so like literally... It might have been two weeks later. I I only watch programming like any content while I'm eating. And that's a bad habit, but that's when I watch stuff. I never watch TV ever else. So I'm watching the documentary about um, Srila Prabhupada on Amazon Prime.
2: The film, yeah.
1: Yes, so I was watching that and this gorgeous song starts playing like almost near the end. And mm-hmm. I stopped the film and I immediately start like trying to search for the film's website to find out who's on the soundtrack. And I came across that image <laughs> of the album <laughs> that I had already received a couple weeks back. And I mean, your voice. That song is called Kaylee and Brash. It is yes. guys, download that song as soon as you get done listening and thank me <laughs> later. <laughs> thank me later. It's beautiful. It's Hare Krishna, um, the chant toward the middle, right? Mm-hmm. But I've never heard it more beautifully sung.
2: Thank you so much. That means a lot. And it's really, uh, it's really interesting that that one particularly stood out to you because people have different, different tracks that you know speak to them, and that's not the most common one that I hear. So I really, I love that because I really <laughs> love that song. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, and I listen to the others, and I love the others too. But there's yeah. something about like your love comes through there's parts of that song that are just in the end. Where is that from the sample at the end of the song?
2: Oh, that was, that's a sample I recorded in the sacred pilgrimage town of Vrindavan. Um, I was there during um, a very holy month, uh, like a month when many, many pilgrims from all around the world come there. And I was sitting in one of the very old temples. There's some very, very ancient temples within the town. And I was just sitting in there and, um, with some friends we were doing a little bit of kirtan and then this sort of procession group came in like a big parade banging gongs and they danced around the temple room a few times and and went out so because we had had this little recorder there I'd, i'd been carrying a recorder around just recording sounds and i was already thinking to use some of them in the album so i just captured that sound and it it just Fit perfectly. So wow.
1: Yeah. I look forward to that. Every listen through. I wait for that piece at the end. It's <laughs> That's beautiful. so lovely. Yeah,
2: That's it's so gorgeous. lovely.
1: Gorgeous. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> know what it was like growing up in the Bhakti Yoga tradition. I read that you were born into this. I found mm-hmm. it much, much later in life, like after I was 30. I would love mm-hmm. to hear what how your perspective is and what it's like being raised in this beautiful love.
2: Mm. Thank you. Well um I guess you could say it's like, uh, I'm sure a similar experience. You know, I've talked to, I've over the years talked to different people who have been part of spiritual communities or very, um, uh, I was going to say religious. I think religious sometimes in a funny way, it carries a negative connotation in today's world. But when you see a very spiritual or religious community, there are many common aspects. So, you know, there's a strong sense of, of family and extended family. Like I grew up with so many uncles and aunts because our mm-hmm. community was just so close and loving and um, that in itself is remarkable. And then it's uh, a life that is really full of music, song, um, wonderful celebrations, artistic expression, Um all those elements were there, and and as I grew up, um, as I say, I talked to people who had come from different backgrounds, and I I saw that these are not unique to the particular um, form of bhakti that I grew up practicing, because bhakti itself is, is a word, Sanskrit word that means uh, to love God, to to serve God, so. Um, it, for me, it was a very beautiful experience to grow up like that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for it. I mean, my parents were, my father um, joined a Hare Krishna community when he was 17. So he just went straight from school and he was searching for something very deeply. He'd, he'd been interested in um, Buddhism and yoga from the time he was, I think 11 or 12, he found some books in the school, in the library. And when he found it, I think, you know, he didn't know that this was going to be the rest of his life, but he, he got connected and it turned out to be something he's still very dedicated to today. And he's a priest and a teacher. And uh, my mother similarly found it at a pretty young age. So both of them had lived for uh, over 10 years in ashrams and and communities. And so by the time they met and came together, had a family and had us They were extremely steeped in in the philosophy and the lifestyle and practices of this tradition. Also bringing with them the the wisdom of uh, their own traditions. My father came from a Christian background, my mother from a Jewish background. So they both would say that, you know, we we haven't um, converted or changed religion, but we've enhanced and deepened our understanding of how to develop a relationship with God by pursuing this path, so we grew up like that, you know. It was it was both a little bubble that was very beautiful and very um, loving and uh, sheltered, you could say. And at the same time, my parents were quite keen to make sure that we um, we we saw it in context of the rest of the world and understood about other traditions and cultures and just had a variety of different experiences. So uh, I couldn't be more grateful, really, for my, my start <laughs> to life. I feel very, very blessed.
1: That's beautiful. I love what you said your parents taught you about how like we're just bringing in these new you know, practices and these new perspectives. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. how it feels for me, too. I was raised Catholic, so I have a Christian mm-hmm. background. My family still mm-hmm. practices Christianity. Mm-hmm. I love Jesus but I also love a lot of the principles from bhakti yoga. And it's nice to know that you don't have to be Hindu to practice (laughs) that service, you know, and that love of God. And it really does. It gives you, there's so many beautiful texts that I've come across um, where it, goes deeper into how you can establish that relationship with turning toward Mm -hmm. that love, feeling Mm -hmm. that presence. And I found some of those texts in like the Christianity tradition and like the mystical Christianity tradition later, like just in the last few years, but it was readily available um, in some of the other books that I've come across from the Bhakti yoga tradition.
2: Right. Yeah. it, It is, it is really interesting today how we perceive um of course there are differences between you know major religions and and spiritual paths but it's it's an interesting thing how we um i think as human beings sort of understand things by compartmentalizing and Mm -hmm. categorizing it makes it easier for us to sort of find order in the world exactly and, and within ourselves but um I do find that one of the most beautiful and powerful things about the understanding of, of bhakti and and yoga, you know, even the word yoga can make uh, a person who may not have really learned about it before think that, well, this is something Indian or Hindu, but yoga means to connect, to bind back together. And bhakti speaks about that love that is innate of the soul for God. So, um, I, I'm grateful for that because I feel like it, it helped me to grow up seeing the world through that lens of what is helpful for developing bhakti and what is not helpful, um, rather than, you know, your religion, my religion. Um, like for my father, uh, he has a very keen interest in, in many religions, um, just understanding their practice and traditions. And he whenever we went on a family holiday, he always, always, whether we were going on a vacation in in England or abroad, we would always go and visit places of worship, cathedrals and, and churches and and we would pray there and feel so um, so inspired and at home. So I'm 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 so grateful for that.
1: Yeah, that same love is everywhere. The ashram, yes, the temple, absolutely. the church, the cathedral. I like yes. to do that too. If I see any yeah. place of worship, I'm like, I'm going to drop in. the way I used to do with like hair care supplies, <laughs> like <Right>. I can't <laughs> walk past a hair care supply place. <laughs> now it's like, I can't walk past any form of building right. where they're worshiping because the music and just the love, that same presence is everywhere because it is you. Speaking of which, yeah. you talked about yeah. the word yoga and union. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see a lot of differentiation between the teachings like Advaita Vedanta and Bhakti where they say that so on one hand there is no necessity for communion because you are that you are the one Mm. you are that love and then I see in Bhakti that dualism which for Mm. me enhances the love because I came from Mm. Advaita like those teachings of non-duality and I've just Mm -hmm. moved into this more the Bhakti style this you know this worshiping, this surrender, and it feels absolutely amazing. And I know that's not exactly what it's about, but that it feels yeah. more rich and it feels more yeah. full. And it feels like that communion to me feels even more natural than trying to remember to be the one, to be the love. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? that <laughs> <I> just...
2: <laughs> well, first of all, I should, I should make a disclaimer that uh, I'm not the greatest student of, of philosophy, but i have grown up um you know hearing all the time about this distinction because of course there are different schools of philosophy and so advaita vedanta um sees as the highest uh goal that sort of uh, merging of uh, the self with the supreme self that it that it is all one mm-hmm. and the tradition of bhakti um it it says the opposite that uh, (laughs) yes, that is possible. It's not that that doesn't, that's not that that doesn't exist. But what is higher is to be able to um, acknowledge our individuality and that individual unique relationship we have with that Supreme being. And to be able to exchange, um, there are so many different flavors of exchange one can have flavors of relationship. and that it's it's like there there are a few common analogies that are that are given, but there's one that always um, kind of sticks with me. And and maybe maybe it, I don't know how well it works with with uh, reconciling these differences in philosophy, but it's, you know, like being um far away from a mountain and you you see the mountain come a bit closer, you see what kind of trees are on that mountain. Um, you might see that there's some evidence of some villages and you come onto the mountain you come into the villages and in those places you see the people you get to see the faces you can have loving exchanges so um bhakti uh, acknowledges or asserts that this is one step farther and you know it's it's a historic um debate and you could say disagreement but there's a sort of um it depends depends what what era you look at you know there's always these two philosophical schools that mm-hmm. argue about this point and uh it really comes down to i think where someone is at in their journey feeling you know connected uh because in one sense the the bhakti path it doesn't negate the advaita vedanta path but it's um it's adding to it it's adding to it that 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 depth they might argue differently, but I I
1: agree with you. I hear you. And so I was giving an example to my sister last night because she was telling me, and I'm sorry, Sylvia, for sharing our conversation, but I promise I'll keep it relevant to what we're talking about. But, um, So she was saying how she wants to start getting like a more strict, like morning routine, you know, adding Mm -hmm. some meditation in. And I told her how for the last, I think it's 54 days today, I've been getting Mm up um, around 530 ish, which is very Mm -hmm. early for me. And I don't Mm -hmm. even have to set an alarm because my body just kind of has been doing that for years. And I'm just now like surrendering to that and getting out of bed. But to have the thought, the idea that I'm doing it, for the love of God as my mm. main job, as my true source, you know, like my true employment is to get up and yeah. sit with God for two hours every morning. And that's wow. what I've been doing. And because it feels like it's of service, like I'm doing the service as opposed to, mm. I have to get up and I have to do this mm. to feel like I'm doing it in that spirit. It, mm-hmm. It's I'm their sleepiness is still there, but yeah. I start chanting, I start doing my mantra. I do 16 rounds in the morning. And yeah. by the third one, the sleepiness is gone. And sometimes love is there. Sometimes tears mm. are there. Sometimes a lot of thoughts are there. And mm. I just chant through it all. But I told her it's not my willpower that gets me up. It's that mm. I kind of set that intention that I'm doing this for the love of God, for God's mm. love. And to, just just sit in that presence. And that changed things for me versus just being that love which it still feels that's the case when I'm aware of this love there I know that it's only one just like right. the consciousness that's looking out of your eyes is the same consciousness here that's speaking right but to personify it that love gets fuller it feels richer it feels easier right. to connect with
2: yeah yeah yeah, I I love that, and I was just thinking, you know, that another another very strong teaching within the bhakti tradition is that we are um, we are by nature beings of uh, service. We naturally have this sort of subordinate position of service to the supreme, and so we are always looking to serve something or someone. If we're not serving God, we're serving something. Whether it's ourselves, whether it's you know our children, our pets, our community, and so it's a being an intrinsic aspect of of the self, the spirit. To direct it to that highest one is like watering the root of the tree. And I do I resonate very much with what you share. It's it's sort of it gives you that uh, that that willpower. Not it's not just willpower. It's it's love, as you say. It's love, the power of love.
1: I love how you said watering mm. the roots because that's what it is. Everything else works, right? Yeah. Once you get yeah. the roots watered, then everything yes. else is taken care of.
2: Yes, absolutely. Mm.
1: That's I. That's beautiful
2: that you. That's beautiful that you've been nurturing that practice. I'm a little envious because I've been having some bumps in my practice <laughs> lately. Just staying up too late, struggling to wake up in the morning. But I, I have been doing it for many years, and I've been doing it long enough to know that. Or to feel um steady in the bumps, meaning I know that I'll just keep going through it and I'll restabilize exactly. and exactly. continue. And try not to lose lose uh, my my determination.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does it feel when you're off the train, when you're not doing the practice as strictly because your schedule's different? You told me you're traveling and you're staying up later. Mm-hmm. How does it yeah. feel during the day versus when you're like on, when you're on it?
2: Oh, it's so different. (laughs) It's so different. I mean, I feel, I feel on top of the world when I do the practice properly in the morning, I just feel so, I feel nourished. I feel um, clear headed and I just feel, yeah, revitalized. And when I don't do it, it's not like, you know, I'm just going to be miserable, but I do get a little grumpy because I know that I'm going to be that much just in a different space. And that's, that's, that's not a good thing. You know, it's not good to get grumpy as the opposite, because of course you can, (laughs) you should still be loving towards oneself, but, Mm -hmm. um, I know how much it gives me to be steady in that practice and steadiness is something that is not that easy for me. I, I think it's not easy for many people, but, um, over time also acknowledging myself as a, having an artistic nature artistic temperament i see that this sort of more flowing rhythm is is more like a habitual way for me to 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 move so steadiness and that regularity is what i need but it's it's a little bit of a i have to i have to be a little strict with myself yeah but yeah when i do it it's it's so wonderful
1: What does um, your practice look like when you're at home and in a more like steady, stable situation?
2: Yeah. Well, um, the majority of it, just because of time really, uh, is Japa meditation. And um, that's really the chunk that I focus on the most. Like if, if I let something else go, okay, so be it. But I won't let that go. At least I won't let the day end without completing that but mm-hmm. um, ideally I like to do two hours in the morning and um, wake up like as you said probably around 5 5 30 uh, it doesn't always work out like that for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but do as much of that as I can in the morning so whether that's 45 minutes an hour if I can manage an hour and a half to two hours that would be amazing um, and if I don't get to do that I'll do a little bit later on like probably around there's these uh sundias or these um moments in the day where you know the pre-dawn uh noon and then um when you get to around well whatever this kind of dusk time is and you're so like uh, 6 7 p.m like that time yeah or in the winter it's a bit earlier it's sort of like Like around 4 or 5 5 p.m when the sun's starting to come down Mm -hmm. those times um the sort of predominant mode that comes in it it lightens there's sattva it's it's easier to calm the mind it's easier to meditate so I try and put in a little bit more meditation there if I haven't finished and then I try to also um, either hear from a sacred text or read a sacred text so sometimes I'll listen to a lecture either live or recorded or I'll take the time to read something and again you know sometimes that has to flex. So if I might want to read for half an hour, or 45 minutes, but I might only have five or 10. So I'll just read one verse and a little commentary. And I have a really cool app on my phone, which uh, means I can carry long, long, long texts around with me wherever I go. So love that for traveling, it's great. What's yeah. that app? It's called, I've forgotten what it's called. I think it's called, um, uh... I Thought it was called Veda Base, but I'll have to check it for you. Ooh, oh, I I'm can check, it, check that. it for you right now. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's called Pocket Vedas. Pocket, Pocket Vedas. Vedas, yeah,
1: excellent. I have Vedas. an audio of the Bhagavad Gita without the um, hold on. okay, I'm definitely gonna get that. I have the <laughs> audio version of the Bhagavad Gita without like mm. the interpretations like, like commentaries ju- exactly yeah. um just it's the verses, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's like maybe that. two and a half hours three hours or so and just mm. to listen to i love the seventh chapter and the 13th chapter the one that talks mm. about like the field and the watcher of the field that is mm. so powerful those are my favorites yeah i go yeah. back to them like once a day
2: yeah oh that's so beautiful that's inspiring yeah i loved i love hearing the audio and and even sometimes um specifically with the Bhagavad Gita or other prayers. Sometimes I like even just listening to it in the sun in the original Sanskrit without translation. Oh, just hearing the vibration of it. Yeah. Now, nowadays on so many streaming services, there's so many recordings you can listen to of the original Sanskrit being chanted. So nice. that's a that's a lovely thing too. And then I love to have um this is something I was just talking to a friend about that kirtan has been a part of my life for since the beginning yeah. and there are meant they have been many periods of my life where that's been a daily practice most commonly when I'm like when I was in my school days I was going to school at the temple so we would have that every day. Um, and then other times in my life when I've been traveling or staying in an ashram that's there every day or sometimes at home I'll keep a routine of doing like 10 minutes kirtan myself even if it's on my own but um, I find a little bit during the pandemic I've kind of fallen off the wagon of that a little bit and I was I just started feeling like I'm missing that so much so I want to start doing that again too
1: Ah, beautiful yeah When did you know, like when you were in school back then and singing with friends that your voice was amazing? (laughs) Like, when were you like, this is something that I could do. I can do this. And I think people might listen.
2: Hmm. I don't remember knowing that at any time when I was young. Um, I was very shy and I had good friends close friends that were confident to lead kirtan and I wasn't so I felt comfortable to let them take the lead and and do that and that in my mind that was like that they do that and I participate or I played the violin so that became my thing and that was what I was eventually known for when I was about 16 17 I started to play it in kirtan and for me that was my voice you know I, I played the instrument and Um, it wasn't till later when I was maybe 19, 20 years old. And it's, it was just sort of a series of events. It was more like, you know, what happens when the person that will usually do something is not there. And then someone would say, why don't you do it? That kind of thing. Um, I started getting little moments or opportunities to just get sort of forced into that (laughs) hot seat of having to lead and um it was pretty uncomfortable for me I used to (laughs) I feel so nervous and I remember vividly looking down at my hand on the harmonium and my hand would be trembling and I feel my cheeks just going bright red which was a very common occurrence um but you know I learned through that that was one of the biggest awakenings of my life to the fact that uh the mind can trick us so on such a deep level that we're not capable of something and you really believe it that this is not what I do that I'm not able and then if you it's like you you kind of have to surrender to feeling um to, to feeling a little humiliated or a little like just very exposed and each time it gets easier and suddenly you find that you're actually very comfortable with doing it that's what happened to me. I just felt gradually comfortable, and I, I I realized that oh okay I guess this is something yeah this I guess I do I this do. <laughs> this is what I do. But it wasn't it wasn't till much later that I I started to do that more kind of outside of my community and in the way that I do now. That that came a lot later, and that was another another climb up a, another you know slope because I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't a conscious intention that this is what I'm going to do with my life. And this is what I'm called to be, you know, especially it was a, it was a very gradual thing that happened.
1: Unfolded. So it's like you stepped into your confidence, like within the school and like kind of within those safe walls and then Mm -hmm. life just continued to unfold for you to share with larger and larger audiences.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you surrender and they to were... that fear. Surrender. <laughs> I surrender to the fear. <laughs> I did. You know, I think it's not just I can't take credit for just my surrendering because there were so many loving hands and mentors who I think could see that I was capable of something that I really couldn't see. And they were they would push me and be like, No, you do it. Come on. And, <laughs> and I'd be like, No, I don't know. I yeah. don't think I can. But um yeah, I am indebted to them because it was quite magical to me, actually. I realized that I'd been very, I'd had a bit of a difficult, a bit difficult time in teenage years, as many people do. I'd sort of um, withdrawn into myself. I was thinking mm-hmm. about those like, uh, those coats you know where they have like a magic pocket and you can stuff the whole coat into the pocket and stuff yes, it closed yes. yeah i felt like that's was sort of how i felt like i just sort of everything had gone inside and was just very very internal and um i i it was for so long that i kind of thought that's that was who i was mm. and it wasn't until i started to sing that i saw how singing and letting my voice out was sort of everything else of me was coming out as well. And I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) Because I I think this is just a process we go through sometimes in those years.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
2: So it was powerful. I
1: I always tell the story that I didn't see the sky until like 2014, 2013, 2014, because there was just so many thoughts. Like they ran all day, all day, all night, like constantly, constantly. And I didn't know that it was veiling this experience of of like real life and Mm -hmm. to finally be able to step out of that stream, like out of Mm -hmm. that river of thoughts, just for that split second. I'm like, oh, (laughs) this, this is life. I don't know what this is. And the thoughts still come, you know, there's a lot of thoughts here, but Mm -hmm. there's the choice to be able to notice the silence that's also always present even when the thoughts are racing and I don't have to believe them. Like you said, I don't have to believe what the thoughts are saying and let them throw me into anxiety or fear. Sometimes I forget, but most of the time, Oh my God, I forget all
2: the time. (laughs) Yesterday I was having one of those days and, you know, sometimes it feels just so, it can feel a little shameful even when you have a day mm-hmm. where your thoughts just overcome you. And yes. yesterday I had one of those, I just felt kind of tearful and confused and doubtful yeah. and yeah. all the, all those things. And I called a, a very dear friend and we, we spoke about it and I felt better gradually through the day. And, and um, I, you know, took, took also shelter of my, my spiritual practices and also just realized I have to just, I have to just take a few, you know a t- few hours out and just do some things that feel nourishing Amen. and grounding yeah. but um it does of course it happens but uh, i think that that bounce back is is um much faster when you have these you, these practices to it's like a it's like a chain to hold on to in a fast moving current you're in the water oh, yes. and you're feeling it but you're holding on to the chain and it's hel- helping you to just feel secure you're going to feel a little sweat sometimes.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. I, um, I always tell myself I had a day like that not too long ago, maybe, at maybe over the weekend. And mm. I always say this moment couldn't be any other way. I couldn't be feeling yeah. any other way right now. This anxiety or this fear or this doubt, this is how mm. this moment is manifesting. And because yeah. I can kind of that, it puts a little space there. I can take a step back and, Feel that anxiety, but also notice, like you said, the chain. I still have the chain. I'm yeah. holding on to that peace, yeah. to that love that I
2: know is true. Um, yeah. And then
1: the anxiety passes in its own time, and yeah. you're back. You're back yeah. centered.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. I, I just reminded of these beautiful prayers um, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is one of the um, most revered bhakti texts and it's extremely long, but I was going to say that thing um, is
1: long. I have intentions of reading yes. it, but I saw how many <laughs> volumes I'm like, maybe later.
2: <laughs> it's a light, it's a lifetime practice for sure. And it's something that um, it's really, I mean, there, there's actually this very cool app called be a sage page by page. Ooh. And uh, it it calculates for you, like if, okay, if I do this many pages a day, or if I read for this many minutes, it tells you how many years it will take you to finish or how much time basically it might not even be years. Like if someone reads an hour a day, it'll take them. I think it's about a year if wow. they read it, read for an hour a day, but it's cool. Cause you can kind of measure That's and see, awesome. you know, but um, I was going to say there was a, a beautiful prayer of a great saint Uh, great great queen from about 5000 years ago her name was Kunti Mm. and she prayed that uh, you know she had a very very difficult life she was a queen but um, there was a great deal of political unrest in the time of her uh, her reign and her sons she had five sons and they were under severe attack from their cousins. There was a great fratricidal war and they numerous attempts to, to kill them and so on. Um, and she spoke this beautiful prayer to, to God, to her beloved. She said, Vipada Dashasvat Tatra Tatra Jagad Guru Bhavanam Darshanam Yatsyad Apunar Bhava She said that um, may these calamities come again and again because in those moments, I reach out to you, I remember you, I prayed to you. So I don't want a comfortable life. I don't want a peaceful life. And this is a really unique kind of aspect of, I guess, the bhakti tradition, um, because it is not necessarily an aspiration for um, the most peaceful life or the most, um, yeah, just kind of easy comfortable I mean we Mm. know that life's not comfortable anyway but sometimes in meditation we we seek just peace but we know um, in that dynamic of relationship uh, we accept what comes as grace and that's a pretty hard it's a hard thing to swallow but it's beautiful and dynamic and full of love
1: I, that's been my experience, So I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I hadn't had the experiences that I've lived through. And all it did was I just turned further in right? because there was nowhere yeah. else to go. You just go inside yeah. and right. you get closer and closer. Like I always say, it's like I sit at God's feet. I sit at God's feet. And when things are peachy mm-hmm. back in the day, I'd forget, you know, like you'd go right. on and you'd be lost in the dream. But when things yeah. would get rough, then you're back at his feet. Now I just stay at his feet. I just lay in his (laughs) lap. Like, I'm not going anywhere. It's easier this way. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Tell me about your JAPA practice, like when the mind comes in heavy, how you can grab that chain and, you know, stay focused.
2: Mm. Well, um, I have a really overactive mind, (laughs) I have to say. So I do have a lot of practice with that. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, There's different things that I personally do, um, different ways to focus. So, I mean, there's things that are supportive of the mind, not, you know, running away. And I think those are kind of obvious things, but it's always worth checking in with yourself because sometimes you just forget. So posture is one of them, you know, having, a straight spine and sometimes I might be tired and I'll, you know, sit back, but it, it naturally just sort of like the mind relaxes and starts to go here and there. So posture is one, um, breathing, um, sometimes closing the eyes is not always the best thing. Sometimes you close your eyes and you start to kind of project, you know, it's like a cinema screen. You start to see images Mm -hmm. and things. So, a great yogis would often um, focus on a spot, or they even like look at the tip of their nose, uh, things like that. Or, or if, or even if the eyes are closed, they'll look to this spot here. Mm-hmm. Um, then I find sometimes what can help me, and this is, you know, perhaps just the way I am because I know for some people it, it might be distracting. But sometimes I find just having some very gentle sound in the background can help me sort of stay on track. So I have some beautiful um, recordings of of sound bath, like singing bowls, um, crystal singing bowls, and and, and some also just nature recordings, like sometimes just having the sound of trees or birds. For me, that really helps me just come into a kind of centered place. Um, And then the most simple is just to focus on listening to the sound of the mantra. And I, I sometimes even visualize it, that it's coming from my mouth, like a golden light coming from, from my mouth, going into my ear, going into my heart and coming up again, like this beautiful loop. I love that. And, That's
1: powerful. Yeah,
2: that that helps me because I, I it's sometimes you you kind of just, actually there's another, I, I, now I'm saying all these things. I didn't realize that I actually, I do do all these things, but sometimes I also see, rather than that loop of sound, I see the Mm -hmm. sound as like a a river and I have to sort of stand in the river. So if I'm having Ah. thoughts and they're pulling me, I'm sort of getting out of the river and walking on the bank. So I'm like, no, 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 get back in the river, stay in that flow. Amazing. I love
1: that. I love that. It's so easy to get distracted. And when you said like having the sounds in the background, do you think that's because of the contrast? Like when it's too quiet, it's easy for me to get distracted. If I hear, like you said, bird sounds or, you know, some kind of nature sounds, it's easy to notice the silence that's next to those mm-hmm. sounds and it's easier to stay mm-hmm. there, which keeps me in the Interesting. listening. It keeps me Interesting.
2: listening. Um, well, again, I think it could be something personal. I mean, I do know that there, there are sounds which are, um, so it's said that from the from the springboard of sattva, so that platform of, of, of goodness, stability, um, that we can more easily access that that state of deep focus and meditation. So, sattvic sound is um, all that is harmonious, beautiful, um, in alignment with nature. So, I find just the sound of birds, the sound of nature, it it brings me into that place, and it and in in that way, very much so, acts as a springboard for me to kind of stay in that in that realm. I think otherwise, I think actually for me, what it is, is that that sound is more prominent than the sound because the sound of your thoughts is another voice, right? Oh, yeah. So rather mm-hmm. than that sound, I'm hearing the sound of the mantra and, and this sound in the background that's just kind of acting like a cushion. <laughs> it's nice. helping me stay there. <laughs> <little buffer> there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your song, when you're talking about like that satvic nature, um, Kaylee and Brad like that Triggers my heart to open. I love, love, love that song. I listen to it at least once or twice a day. And when I'm having those days, like we talked about earlier, where it's heavy, you know, just playing that, it shifts me. And that's when I felt inspired Mm. that day to write you, like, thank you for this song. (laughs) Thank you for being you.
2: (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. My dad's singing on that one with me, actually. Really? I was going to ask you.
1: That was a question of mine. I was going to say, who is singing backup for you? His voice is amazing.
2: Yeah, he has an amazing voice. Um, he he's really, uh, he. we grew up with him being, you know, our hero of Kirtan singing. He was very yeah. well known for it. And um, it's only in recent years that he's stopped doing it a little bit. I think just by natural process of aging, his voice mm-hmm. has changed a little bit. He doesn't sing as much. And when we did this recording, I pretty much twisted his arm to to sing with me. I knew it would be a little like he's not so used to recording in the studio and he was a bit okay. nervous. He's very much accustomed to just he can sing in front of thousands of people but when you put put him in a recording studio yeah. with a mic he gets a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um but I was so happy he sang on that because it 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 meant a lot and actually the um the mu- the music composition of the song was also inspired by by him in a way because um the word Kaylee is is based on a The Irish traditional music form, it's Kaylee uh, dance and folk music. Ah, so um, many people don't realize that they think it's in this context like another Sanskrit word. So, I grew up as much. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) as as you would, as you would. So we grew up um, listening to a lot of Celtic music. My 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 father's English, but comes from parts of England where there's a real um strong celtic culture so mm-hmm. my parents loved uh irish music scottish music, like folk music um of the british Isles we also listened to a lot of other f- types of folk music but that was a real strong thing for us and uh we had a family thing of dancing around the house sometimes just putting ah, the music on and so dancing around the house yes. so uh so i wanted i was just i was i composed that tune and and it really felt to me like a traditional Irish melody so I imagine this uh a Kaylee is you know it's a folk dance where the whole community come together and dance with so much joy so it's said that that divine realm is a place where every word is a song and every step is a dance I love and that. Uh, I thought that this is a perfect imagery of everyone dancing together and that's why it gets so lively like a party <laughs> it's yeah. like a party and I love exactly it.
1: <laughs> the part like yeah. the beginning is beautiful and it's so soft and so sweet but I'm always waiting for the party at the yeah, end yeah exactly it does it feels exactly like what you just described
2: yeah we I wanted it to go for a few measures longer that part but we were trying to keep an eye on the tracks on the album make sure that they all didn't get too long yeah so I was like okay just just one more because you need that part to <laughs> yeah. just the party yes <laughs> yeah
1: no I love it so yeah that's such an amazing contribution to music that you've made with just that one thank track. You. I hope I know you guys have, may not have any idea what I'm talking about, but please download that song, listen to that song, and you'll <laughs> thank me. You'll write me later and you'll tell me how much you love it. I know. Um, I so think if you about- like,
2: I think if you like that one, you'll you'll really love the one that's coming out on the 29th because it's it's a, it's in the same vein, which I've been waiting to do something yes. like that for a while. <laughs>
1: so it's called Govinda. Govinda. Govinda, oh,
2: Govinda exclamation wait. mark, which is the party, part. the party, the party.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. When I saw you yeah. share that, I think it was yesterday on social. Yeah. I got very yeah. excited. I'm like, yes. ah, new music, new music. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So the 29th, it's coming out. Is um, is mm-hmm. anything else going on that you want to share with us that my audience can support you in?
2: Um. Well, I have. So I'll have a few singles coming out over the next uh, couple of months. Those have all been recorded during the, the pandemic, which was quite quite challenging um, mm. at the time. We all had to be like in different sections of the studio and masked and all of that. It was a really quite an intense time. But finally, we're finishing them off and releasing them. Awesome. Um, and then a couple of months ago, I actually just started a, a Patreon page, um, which has been a really su- surprising and beautiful experience of community community. Um, there's been such a an overwhelming um movement of support there and awesome. uh and i i've also um i've really appreciated the opportunity to connect with people in that context so with the patreon members i've been doing a monthly zoom call where we we study together we do some kirtan together we discuss um different questions about our spiritual journeys and in, in life and uh, I have found it really inspiring and nourishing. So yeah, if Amazing. anybody would love, like to check it out, I invite you and yeah, hope to awesome. see somebody, some of you there.
1: Yes. And you do um, Tuesday Kirtan as well, right? Live? I
2: do. Yes. Yes. I Call do live Kirtan. Yeah. I do that on um, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And it's uh it's my, my compromise to, cause mm-hmm. uh, there was about I think it was about eight weeks, I was doing it every single day uh, earlier in 2020. And Mm -hmm. I loved that that was probably one of the happiest experiences of my life, just doing it every day. And it was so it was so uplifting for me. Um, And I know many people found solace in it, too. So I'd love to do that every day. But I I do know that um, at least I need to kind of keep my attention and energy focused on different things. So I'm like, okay, at least I'll keep one day a week going. And then, you you know, whenever (laughs) I can add other days, I will for sure. Yeah,
1: Awesome. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you and your time and your beautiful voice and your spiritual journey and the beautiful gems, these nuggets that you gave that are going to definitely inform my Japa practice every morning. I can't wait to try that where it comes from my mouth, right into my ear and then down into Mm -hmm. my heart. That is powerful. Or staying in that river, right, of the mantra and not stepping out. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that later today. Um, So thank you all at home, too, for joining. Um, Please follow me on Instagram at Curly Nikki and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a family or friend. Um, I think that's it. I love you guys so much. And I will chat with you on the next episode of New Growth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.